Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with Implement AI. With myself, your host, Piers Linney, and my co-host and co-founder, Alok Shukla. Good evening, Alok. Good evening, Piers. How are you? I'm all right. We've kind of kind of lost the line this evening. We're doing this, um, doing this quite late. I was on TV this morning. I didn't didn't get to weave in artificial intelligence, but we we're talking about um, remote working, the news from um, Zoom about the um, wanting people to come back to the office, which is quite interesting. Um, so. I don't know what else you've been doing this week. I've been sort of pretty quiet. I've just been working to honest with you. But I've been seeing you've been grappling. You've been doing chess lessons. And I've always said one. It was, uh, oh, you've now bought a starlet. You're showing off. <laughs> no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a busy week. Yeah. When, when I was a kid, right, it was like literally three things I, I was kind of obsessed with and I used to do a lot. I love technology. I used to like solder and different electronics and make lots of different stuff. And I'd just be in my room basically with fumes and just soldering and playing with the technology when I was like, nine until 13 so obviously like with implement ai i just love doing all that stuff then i used to play chess a lot i, I was like i don't want to say about it but like i used to play for like different teams in the counties and went to a few international tournaments stuff when i was younger so i, I stopped really for 23 27 years really like since i was 16 so i've just started again i've started lessons with a guy who's the five times and portugal champion so his rating is like in his rating is insane oh, nice. and then and then i started um last few weeks jujitsu lessons with a, a guy who's like he's really good and he just comes every twice a week to basically kill me and laugh at me right just <laughs> that's basically that's basically it but yeah yeah i'm still thinking about jiu-jitsu but i i was bored too for east lancashire but i, I was wasn't very good i got blacked it won the right games at the right time i think um anyways let's get into it so another sort of we'll say it's a hectic week but it always seems to be we've got some quite interesting stuff to, sh to show you as well so if you're listening to this you might want to flip over to um youtube at the right moment as well so we've got a touch on the AI arms race, just going through what we're going to cover today. Um, some of the more partnerships, the big players, you see more and more of these where they're kind of putting together their respective powers, you know, from software to hardware and, and so on. Uh, the importance of training your large language model, what happens when you release these things into the wild without the proper training, you can get into a mess very, very quickly. Talk about what we're up to, uh, implement AI, we've got some news. I'm also going to give you a demo. We're now creating um, agents. So call this a micro SaaS or agents it's the agent mindset it's a, that's how these things are going to change so we're going to show you how you get into that what that actually means some news on google and of course at the end ai of the week so that's going to show you how in a business you can avoid the creative barrier that point where you stop and think oh no i need to go get a design now you know those days are over as well so let's start off so open ai is um a deploying this is really interesting so open ai itself this is a chat gpt um, company that built it and deployed it. They're now building their own bot. So it's the web crawling bot called uh, GPT bot, I think they're calling it. And this is to expand its capabilities and to enhance model accuracy. So this is what Google does. It has these sort of bots, these spiders that crawl the web uh, and sort of structures it, lets you know what's out there and brings it back for the, the search engine to understand and find things quickly. Now, what's interesting is that OpenAI have a partnership with Microsoft and they're integrated into Bing. So it's, it's fascinating seeing that everyone seems to be going everything in all directions, despite the partnerships they've already got. No, for sure. And and if you think about how this is going to shift things, then web search is changing fundamentally. And like on a normal website, you've got the robots.txt, which basically tells um, you know the, the web crawler that Google what to read or what not to read and ignore. And the same thing with GPT, like they're, and they're going to, AI is going to be saying that like, you know, you can tell it to disallow or not to read things, but you actually do want it to read things. But the problem is it's going to be like, when it comes to some, some media properties where you have people want people to actually go to that website, that's going to be a bit of a funny relationship because you kind of don't necessarily want all that information ingested and fed back in into the system. So it's going to be interesting times. And I think like how 
websites will evolve, even those which have like paid content walls and things like this. I think it's going to be very interesting how it's going to evolve. Yeah, and also if you do have that little bit of text in your website and the header somewhere, then no one's ever going to find you. So that's going to be an interesting uh, outcome for a lot of people if they choose that option. So another piece of news is really going back to generative AI, the big player is Google. So Google is it's kind of slowly rolling out. It's generative AI. There's Google, there's Google Gemini, Google DeepMind. They're all, you know, seeing all things come from different parts of the business. But something they're kind of um, now rolled out, and it's quite frustrating that you can't always get hold of these things. Um, in Google Labs, if you, if you maybe you should try if you can. You can't do it through a, a sort of a, a business account. You've got to have a personal one. And it's a Google Gemini generative AI search. So I have, I've have seen some demos on this and tried to play, play with it as well through someone else's um, browser. And it, it still seems to me to be kind of reverting to or very much seems to be standard Google search. Now, whether that's because they're worried about cannibalizing their search business and they don't want to sort of too quickly go from you know, zero to 100 miles an hour on generative search. But I don't really see, I wasn't really getting or seeing the person using it getting answers. They were just getting you know, search option. So I don't really see the points of. Yeah, I've requested access as well, but I think I think the point you made is completely valid. It's their core business function, right? So you don't want to like destroy that too quickly. So um but yeah, let, let's see how these different tools um evolve and let's see what the accuracy of search comes back to because many people are just not happy with ten blue links anymore. I was moving on. So some kind of macro use and I, I kinda of come back to this quite a lot. It's the the arms race, uh, AI arms race, especially in sort of GPUs and chips uh, and sort of innovation and intellectual property generally. And this is not because it's particularly relevant to implementing AI into businesses, but it kind of gives you an idea of how serious, you know, nation states are taking this and, and for very good reason. I, I say in lots of the events that we do that, you know, if one nation state gets ahead and say it's sold AGI, artificial general intelligence on, I don't know, Monday, and the other nation solves it on, I don't know, Wednesday or Friday or by the weekend, um, the latter will never catch up, assuming that the exponential curves are sort of quite similar looking. Um, you never catch up, and then the gap between you over time becomes uh, material as well. So you now see the U.S. has now banned future investments in, which is particularly um, targeted at China. So Chinese AI, semiconductors, um, quantum computing, and this is a this has been an executive order by the president there, Joe Biden. So you're seeing the you know legislation kicking in now to try and slow down the competition using lots of the technology that nation states have you know will have their sort of arms or their hands around. And in the US, for example, that will be Nvidia. Sure. I mean, I watched Oppenheimer last weekend, and like it's kind of the same thing, really, isn't it? Right. Like uh, basically, whoever develops those capabilities first and have the ability to deploy them in in various different ways, it's just going to be very very challenging for other people, and so. I'm not surprised in the slightest, and it's just going to get more and more more intense. But what this does, as I say, just shows how serious this is. This is game-changing stuff. You know, you wouldn't see this legislation being, you know, um, enacted this quickly. You've seen the same in the UK. You'll see similar things. Nobody wants the the competition to get there first because, just like for Bob and Am, which I also took my daughter to, actually, I couldn't believe she got through it. It, it is the exact same. It's, it's a new Manhattan project in many ways. So moving on then, so a really interesting um, particle was by Andrew, is it Ingot? Mm-hmm. You pronounce his name? And um, he's kind of a VC and a, a, a sort of a technologist as well. And he was he was sort of commenting then, writing that he believes that large language models understand the world around them. Now, this can be quite hard as a human to, to kind of understand what he's talking about. You've got to think of yourselves in a way that essentially you know, we have wetware uh, in our head. And we understand the world, you know, we build a model of the world and the model of our world depends very much on our experience, our inputs, our parents, the environment in which we grow up. That's what kind of creates it. 
prompts us essentially. It's our, it's our custom instruction backend, which I'll also touch on later. And he's saying that these models understand the world. Now, other people are saying that they don't and they can't reason, but increasingly we're seeing these sort of sparks of AGI, but basic level, people either do. So I don't know what you think about that. I think that like you can, if you think about a spider's web, right? You've got all the different connections and you can see how everything links together, okay? Now, if you think about language, code, and communication, all of that is a pattern, a web, if you want to call it, and everything is linked to each other. Now, at a certain point, when a machine has had its, you know, has the ability to literally replicate all the nuances of reality through language, through code, through patterns, and because it matches everything that humans have put out there, and so any other human that looks at it, they would think, oh yes, this does match. Like you know, like if what is this, and it explains it in that way, and and it matches your reasoning. At some point you're going to think, well, you, you know, you'll pass the Turing test because you'll be like, yes, this, this makes complete sense. Now, the meta question is, does the machine actually understand it? It actually doesn't really matter because like, if it knows the map exactly of all the language, of all the patterns, of all the things which are linked to each other, it essentially is the same thing. And now we're getting into semantics, but I 100% definitely believe that AI understands the model of the world. It understands causality. It understands all the different dimensions. And that's the whole point of why it understands context so well. So I think the key thing is, is it, it can understand areas better than we can, and it can have more um, relationships and interrelationships, which is the whole point where we, we use them for advanced databases. So I think at the point it, that we're looking at now is AI has a very detailed map of the world, which is more accurate than the map in our own heads. And so I would say, yes, it does understand the world. I don't have consciousness, but it understands all the implications of the links. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it doesn't really matter how this technology understands the world around it. It may be a completely different way to us, but as long as it does, it doesn't matter at all. I think he may mention his paper, that sort of famous thought um, experiment about the kind of person locked in a box and he's, he's got to translate, you know, um, instructions from Chinese to English. Do so you think this box understands translate? It doesn't. Um, just, there's a mechanism of making that happen inside. So I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, the more you look at things and play with these things, that there is a, a basic understanding of the, of the world in which they're operating. It's, it, it's like it's like Google, it's like Waze, okay? Waze understands the terrain, right? Like, and it, can, and it can redirect you based on what's happening. And you can ask it, does it understand what a road is? It doesn't really matter because it can direct you. It understands when people are slowing down. It understands when a new place opens up. It understands where to go to. So I think we're getting to the point where AI as a kind of co-pilot, as a, as a guide, as a companion, it, it's already exceeded our capabilities. So the question is just like for us to link with it, have all wet wear with its its capabilities. Really. And not only that, it, it, the power is it can multitask, which we struggle to do. So yeah. we're going to be as powerful as quite yet. But you know, you look at these sort of um, uh, military systems where you know, they're targeting you know a hundred moving targets at once, where as a human pilot can only fix his gate on one. So that's the power of this stuff is, is the scalability of it. That'll be quite interesting to follow. Another one that they you may listening to this you may or may not have heard of hugging face uh it's not a new cool clothing brand it, it's actually it's, it's, it's probably worth a couple of billion now and it basically is um a, you can go on the web have a look at it and there's lots of about 250,000 different models there you can go there and then it's all open source you can look at different ai models machine learning models and play with them test them now they've done a deal with nvidia everyone's doing deals with nvidia um so you can now essentially choose a model train it 
and then deploy it on supercomputer infrastructure provided by NVIDIA to then um, test it, which is actually really important. Otherwise, if you're not testing on the right infrastructure, um, you're not really seeing its, its true performance. And then real infrastructure is really expensive. And the last point to add is, is that I think... Um, also done a deal with um, Microsoft as well, who um, are offering, I think, through Azure as well, another sort of um, training service as well. So it's amazing how everyone's just part of everybody else. Um, compute, models, open source, infrastructure, just so people can move faster. No, I mean, it's like different kinds of electricity, right? Solar, wind, gas, you know, like what, you know, nuclear. It's just like, we've got the cable, we'll supply it to you. Where do you walk? What type do you want? And I think the beauty these days with like all these different types of models is you've got the complete ability to have your own model or use like a different one and you customize it whatever way you want. So I think that the accessibility and the power of these tools and the variety, and we're going to see some very interesting things developed over the next six to 12 months, I would say. And I'm really excited to see like how that full level of creativity comes out. I, I heard about like, and there was a quote from Paul Graham, who like head of y, y Combinator. And he was saying that his latest batch of Y Combinator, basically it's all full of people who are experts in industry that have discovered that, that knew about problems that weren't solved, but now with AI see a way to solve it. So the democratization of all these tools and, you know, smart people looking at things could be some fantastic stuff. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, starting a business essentially, it is finding a problem, hopefully one that nobody else has really spotted, um, or maybe they have spotted and worked out a way to solve it. You're now seeing new ways of solving it. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we discussed it at the sort of at length, this sort of thin layer of SaaS companies across LLMs. I'm not too sure they're going to belong for this world. But somebody spotted a real problem, artificial intelligence. Um, allows them to solve in a new innovative ways and they can charge for things you are going to see a, a completely a really exciting new wave of innovation no 100 percent. just like specific tools specific scenarios and just doing it perfectly every single time so that, that's the way we're going to go and uh talking about innovation moving on um something you read about a lot of the press is there's deep fakes right and uh, i was watching something where you were looking at these things you know, a couple of years ago and you could kind of see that it wasn't quite right it was pretty good quite impressive but now now you just can't tell and especially when it comes to speech. So video is clearly far more complicated. But now, you know, getting the old phone call, I think somebody stole 30, $35 million from a bank because they cloned the uh, the boss's voice and called up somebody and asked them to make a, a quick transfer. So the days of, you know, getting a call from your parents or your, or, your, or your loved one telling you to do something or send some money or do something you probably wouldn't normally do, they're here. Um, so I think, it's, I think this research was by University College in London they were saying that humans could only identify deep fake speech with 73% accuracy today. Um, so where's that going to go? And that's regardless of the uh, language used. So they're saying that this, this technology is moving very, very quickly. And people are trying to, there's also an arms race, detectors. So whether it's AI, you know, text detectors or speech or video, they have another AI trying to uh, defeat the detectors. So there's an arms race there that I think is going to become and, and, and this pervades everything, business, um, cybersecurity, politics, everything, you know, deep fate. And this is, again, I've said this before, this is maybe where your NFT, that digital sort of absolute proof, the, the provenance of a piece of content may actually have its final, a final have a use case. No, and, and I think like one thing I heard about was like some families were thinking about having a safe word, which I think is not a bad idea, right? It's a bit like you're, when you phone up your bank, they ask for a certain code or something like this. So if you ever get asked about something, having a kind of family safe word, which is the, the reference. So, so if someone was cloning your voice and you would be able to detect that, that would be like this. But I mean, the text detectors for AI have already been given up, right? So I, I do, 
we did we talk about before that how stable diffusion does have like a kind of special kind of water tag within any AI generators and content. But yeah, it's going to be important more and more to have like more live, more in-person, more authentic and more traceable communication, definitely. And and, and we, we talked about that in the past, like how more and more people are going to want in-person experiences. And at, at the same time, you know, it's just going to, it's just going to evolve. And that's quite interesting, isn't it? So if, if you're in business and you're, you're selling, you've got clients or customers, you know, they are going to want to know. So, you know, people don't care how things are sold, whether it's an individual or some AI or some chatbot, as long as the issue gets solved. Like you're saying, we, we may see that, you know, events, uh, face-to-face events kind of come back or they see them in insults. For sure. Right, so let's get on to implement AI. I mean, flipping out, this could be we do what we could do half an hour. We're up to. Um, so we we've um, put out there. If you haven't seen it yet, sign up for our white paper. It's AI assisted organization. Uh, it's a blueprint for business. It's focused on um, both SMEs and enterprise. So our whole framework is in that document. So it's definitely worth going to have a read of and download. We've had really good feedback on that. And what that really brings to is to is the this concept of agents. So, I mean, I'll always say, and I quite like it, is that you've got your kind of payroll, people sitting on your payroll, and you're going to build up over time kind of a list of agents to take on lots of these tasks. And eventually, some will overlap and some will be replaced, but you'll see a, a sort of a, a friction between the two over time. But what we call the agent mindset. So you can design agents, that's what we do as well. Design agents, design what's micro SaaS or specific actually SaaS for your business, what's about your workflows. And we've been doing that and we thought we'd show you a quick demo of one example. Yep, 100%. So in the AI Assisted Organization Blueprint, the white paper, we talk about five levels of AI going from similar to self-driving car from like zero with no AI to full AI, full automation. And each step of the way, you have different tasks which are carried out by AI or assisting the human with AI. And what we're talking about here is like having the AI agents, which will start helping you across marketing, sales, delivery, fulfillment, and operations. And those AI agents can do different tasks. And up until now, some people have been asking me, like, what examples of tasks can you have? Let's have a look and let's look at some examples because we're now building different AI agents which fulfill different tasks within businesses. And that what's so nice about these AI agents is they can be, they can do literally anything. So let's have a look at an example. So. So this is where we should say, if, you, if you're listening to this, this is not going to be as interesting, um, but listen on and also going over to YouTube where we post this usually about a day later. So this is an example of an invoice. So within many businesses, we've got data entry and data entry could take many different forms, receiving a PDF, receiving a letter, having some information within it. It might be an invoice. It might be a request. It might be a document from a company with some details of a policy or, or a product or anything like this. But the point is, you need a human, someone, to extract the useful information of it and then fill that into some kind of software. And it could be accounting software, CRM software, or anything else like this, so that actions and work can take place. Up until now, the solution with these sorts of things would be to use a different tool, then load it into it, and then send it to a different place. But let's have a little look at an example of how we could use that. So here, so this is a data entry agent. So this can be customized to accept any type of file. At the moment, we've just made it for PDFs. And let's look at an example. So if we browse a file and we attach an invoice, we can see that it's it's running and analyzing it. And then here it's showing what is actually here. So in this invoice, it's showing it's for 9350, what the item is and the company name and the invoice date. So if this invoice had all those different details in it, what we can then do is if we go back here, see where it says sync. 
This is where it will then pass it into the accounting software Zero, for example, or any other cyber software. And if the company is an existing place that we order from, it will then add it to their details. If it's a new company that we've not dealt with before, it will then create a whole new record for it. But the beauty of this is this AI data entry agent could be responsible for accounting, or it could also be responsible for sales updates. So imagine, for example, it got some information back in, and then it needs to update Salesforce or iDrive or something else like this. It can do that job. And these agents can just keep working and doing things, and it keeps a record of everything it's done. So the key thing to think about is, like, just like Pierce said, is you've got your team, which are on your payroll and doing your job for you. But then over time, what you want to do is pair each of those team members with an AI agent that can then help take more and more of the repetitive tasks. So then the human can become more creative and free, and the AI agents can do more processing each minute. So having this agent mindset and thinking about how you enter those into your business, it's going to be a very exciting time. I think you've undersmoked that in terms of what actually happened there. The first thing is, is that um, it's not just basic OCR. There's kind of elements of optical character recognition in the OCR. But essentially, also, it can be quite hard to read um, PDFs. It can be hard to read images. What this is doing is is translating that into a format that a large language model can understand. That's the first step. Then, once you, once you can understand the text, a large language model can very accurately, you can basically, behind the scenes, there are some prompts, and it's saying, you know, look for this information, find this information, maybe add these two things together, whatever it might be. So no matter what the document is, an invoice is a very basic example, the prompts in the back end are then taking that, that document, that text, and the prompt, then using a large language model to extract the data you want to extract from that document. You could have an extremely large, complicated, verbose document. You only want a couple of things out of it, important um, things, and that can go off there and find them. So there's, there's quite a bit more going on there than uh, it might it might seem at first glance. But the beauty of these things, these agencies, you can literally sit down with us and sort of map out, what do I need this to do? How do I add some value? And you can almost make them do almost anything. Fascinating. 100%. Like, like we've had examples where people have asked for complex documents that come in from some suppliers to be analyzed and then summarized within different areas. And these agents can then just be tuned to do that in that workflow, basically. So 100%. And they can extract that data and then you can train it to use it to write a new document in your house style and, and produce something new. So there's quite a bit. I mean, these things are the power is in the underlying models. This is sort of a thin layers across the top, but it's actually understanding uh, what workflow it is, what you're trying to achieve, and making it do it as few steps as possible. So that's the uh, agent mindset. That's that's this concept of micro SaaS or these uh, these apps where build them for your business. I mean, you can go online and buy software as a service that does that. We've, we've compared it to a few, which is quite expensive. You know, these large language models and the APIs, they're not that expensive to us use them uh, even at scale. One of the things that, it also, again, that a lot of people don't really realize is, is that your data structure, and I'll get back to why this is linked, is actually really important. So if you take that that data in that document and it's sitting in a sort of a, a pretty standard sort of SQL database, it's not that great for large language model. It needs something which is vectorized, it's got to have semantic search, so it can actually ask those questions and it can go and find the data and extract it. So your AI experience, your ability to become AI assisted in many ways, partly going to be down to the structure of your company data. And I think the key thing that I had, the insight I had this week really was when I would work on a project and I was looking at some things, I was talking with some of the tech team, is there's really kind of like three things that you need to have, have in place to do the really interesting stuff and to really unleash the full power of AI. 
one, you need to have your data all captured. So every phone call, every meeting, all the different details, all that kind of stuff has to be captured because there's so much useful information about customers, which doesn't sit in a neat box in Salesforce or Pipedrive or anywhere like this, but that's useful. And if that was actually stored and, and, and accessible within a way, that could be leveraged in the future. And the second layer above that, which was, I thought was really interesting, is I saw with the tech team, they were saying, yes, we need to make sure you have the policies and everything for that, 100%. That's where it's having the, you know, the chief AI officer, the fractional AI officer approach. And if you have your policies and structures set up so that technology is assisting all of your team and you have everything structured in the right way so it can work properly, then your team have the ability to do those things and be AI-assisted in everything that they want to do. And then the third thing is like having systems and LLMs tuned for your workflows so you can actually then interrogate and say, okay, imagine, for example, there was a phone call about a particular customer. There were some meetings internally about that customer and different things like this. And if you had everything structured, anyone could just call up a thing and say, tell me the latest summary about this customer. And then it would then show you, you know, from the phone call, from maybe some PDF information that they'd shipped in by email, and then also potentially from Intel meeting, summary of the latest things and how much better could you look after that customer with that information at your fingertips without having to say hey let me ask mike let me ask peter let me ask paul basically you know so having that kind of nuanced granular detail accessible to everybody because the ai agent works for everybody is going to make the differentiator between excellent customer service and fast responses and mediocre human-led basically so having the right structure in place is critical yeah and we, we've Kind of all heard this before in the in the the days of big data, you know, capture all the data because one day you'll be able to use it. This is not that, right? This is this is this is the world's moved on. This is not capture a load of data that's sort of unstructured and then spend a million pounds in a writing some algorithm to understand what the hell's in there. Number one, Alex, absolutely right. Is number one, you have to capture everything that is written, that is voice, that's even video, the lot essentially. And then you have to make sure it's stored in the right format. And that is more of a vectorized um, style. I can go into the details how you get into LLM. So only then really can you use sort of semantic search and kind of really extract the most value from it. But once you structured like that, you can literally throw the power of these large language models at it. And the, the response you can get, the data back analysis is um, profound. 100%. Right. So let's keep going with us so our event on the 18th of october in manchester is locked in we're just finalizing a few um little bits and bobs as what we're doing in the format of it so look out on our uh, social media for that we're also planning on the 19th of october also in manchester an enterprise event so more of a sort of a round table for larger companies a bit like our sort of ai boardroom briefing in a way with a bit more detail alok and i are going to be doing so look out for that as well we also on the the back of the events in manchester i think we're looking at maybe launching a implement ai competition so this is to kind of win one of our ai consultations and will these get fantastic feedback our events do and also our boardroom briefings and also the work we do after that a lot of clients pay us to do this and it is it's really valuable i think so we're just again finalizing the details of that we're probably going to be working with a one of our close media partners on getting that out there. So keep your eyes open for that. And last bit of news, uh, I'll touched upon it. We're going to be uh, releasing our fractional chief AI officer white paper probably this week. Just a few tweaks there uh, in the in the editing, and that'll be. F- and that's really about the case for having a fractional chief AI officer. I'd like to say ciao, but I don't mind that. <laughs> so because it's actually really important um, to have that expertise in your business. Look out for that. No, 100%. And, and looking forward to the events. Also in on, in September, 
I'm going to be doing an event on the 13th of September. I think there's a few spaces that might be there for a members club. And so, yeah, it'd be great to meet some different businesses along the way. But yeah, our fraction chief AI officer paper's going to be coming out. And just like we talked about before, you need to be able to like engineer, you know, the culture level and then the human level, the team level and have the vision for where you want to go. And the devil of this stuff and the opportunities are in the details. So you need to make sure that you've got like the right technology operator and mindset pairing with your different chief, you know, like strategic offices and, and different elements that you want to kind of go to. But you'll be able to read that in more detail within the yeah, this is not some, I always say, don't I? This is not some discreet, like, should we transition to the cloud project? This is a different ballgame. This is, this needs to pervade your business, not all at once. This, you know, we say there's a there's a continuum of being AI assisted, um, but like the, the autonomous vehicles. So you have to move along at a pace that works for your organization, but you definitely need to be moving along it. So let's get back to some um, AI updates. So one thing that's really frustrating me, I don't know about you, is the fact we still can't access ChatGPT's custom instructions. This is having prompts in the back end you'd have to start from scratch every time what's even more frustrating is that the free users in the us got access to it well the paid users in the uk and eu haven't and not much we can do about that i'm not going to bleat on about it but um when that does become available though i think we'll do a longer session on the podcast about that and what it means and how you can use it because that is a really big development 100 percent, and that's going to link into our training questions and everything like that to be honest yeah. And then another piece of news I found really interesting this week was the the New Zealand supermarket. And they, they released some meal planning app. And it came out with some recipes that included a chlorine gas. My favorite was the Oreo vegetable stir fry. And this really is a, it's kind of a demonstration of the, the, you have to fine tune these models. You can't just throw something out there into production that your customers are going to interact with without really thinking about it, perhaps doing a small test user group uh, before we release it into the wild. And they kind of release it into the wild and they've been bitten quite hard. I mean, it's probably, PR's probably helped, but uh, you, you don't really want to be having an Oreo vegetable stir fry with a, a smattering of chlorine gas over it. So they have now sort of, um, rather than fix it, put a lot of caveats all over it, which I don't think it really works either. So again, it, don't just, you know, go to market with these things without thinking about it because they are super powerful. They are very realistic in terms of where they interact with people and you know it might be something that wasn't a chlorine gas or something as weird as an oreo vegetable stir fry it could be something in a healthcare whatever you do a professional services firm where the, the advice essentially or the guidance let's call it is giving isn't quite right but it wasn't quite as noticeable that's something you need to be very careful of 100 percent. like i think the key things there is like to put the, the framework and the bounds of like where it needs to focus and what it needs to do because i've seen the opposite where there was like an amazing um, recipe recommendation tool where they basically were looking at like the nutrition needs of a person and then they were then asking it based on seasonal fruits or vegetables to generate recipes which would optimize for those nutritional needs of that person. Like you know, with some creative recipes which I haven't actually heard or seen before. So you, if you do it right, it's amazing. If you don't actually know what you're doing. I, I sometimes the, the way these models um, respond, it just is so believable. It's, it's so written in such a confident way that you think, okay, I would have like I sent it to you, didn't I, where it made a comment about something and it said, you know, this content is as good as anything in the market. Well, how do you know that? And suddenly this was clawed too. And it came back, so yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Literally it said that to me. When it's sort of nuanced, it could be uh, quite dangerous in terms of your customer relationships. And the other bit of news, which I think was really interesting, is that Google are now launching a browser-based coding tool. But I keep saying that, you know, the, the, the days of code being between an individual a business and an outcome i think are coming to an end we'll be able to you know talk to technology in natural language and it'll 
will deliver that outcome for you in terms of the code necessary for it to work. So you're now seeing um, Google got a browser-based tool, um, ChatGPT code interpreter, Amazon Bedrock, Google, then the Google one basically is going to have code generation. It's going to have um, the ability to translate between different languages, which will be quite interesting, and then code checking and auto completion. So, you know, you're going to be moving up that value pyramid, as I always say, to the top to be the architect. But increasingly, that's about all you'll be doing. Now, AI of the week, the last thing. Again, I look through so many of these things, and I always say that I keep getting told off for all these kind of um, subscriptions that keep appearing in my bank account. And the big ones are the, are the good ones at the end of the day, the ones that have invested the money, been tested, they've, been, they've had a lot of users playing with them, and that feedback's been built into the models. They're the most powerful. And I think one of the most interesting observations, we were talking about it this week, is often when you're an individual, you're in business, and you want to create something, you hit a step sometimes where you need design. And if you can't draw, unlike me, um, I did technical drawing at school back in the day, that's how old I am. But if you can't draw and you, or your your ability to be creative is limited, um, you then have to wait for designer, pay for a designer, and it can be quite frustrating. Now, the beauty of AI is, is that that's going away. You can now, and then we might show this. Can we show this at lock actually? Is that in um this is Stability AI, they've got a website called ClipDrop. They basically use all the different tools in there. And one of them is um the ability to create sort of a doodle. So for I did one the other day, I was showing um my daughter where I do a very simple pencil drawing, and I mean really simple, of a couple of sort of um hills, a little church on top, a little house. And I said, I want this to be a Lancastrian Milltown Moorland setting. And it takes that doodle and basically uses the prompt and puts the two together and it creates exactly what I was envisioning in my head. Now it might not be perfect, but the beauty is it gets you 50, 60, 70% of the way down the road. So you can move on to the next stage in your in that process without having the time, the expense, or the, the patience for a designer, which might need to iterate it. When you go to designer now, you've got perhaps much more of a clearer idea of what it is you're trying to communicate. So it might save you time and money. I don't know, Alok, can we show you that? Yeah, I'm showing it right now. What? What? Yeah. What did you want to show? What? Like, so let's yeah, show you a house. Like a, like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, like um, yeah. So you're doing. Okay, so I'm drawing a house. <laughs> I wouldn't really say that. I, yeah, do do a house like with a, a basic like kids' house and maybe a little picket fence around it, some flowers, and say do a you know a beautiful country cottage with um, a rose garden or something, and see what it comes up with. It's mine. Yeah, I think we we both got the same level of uh, <laughs> capability for sure. <laughs> Although my picket fence would be better than that. Again, if you're listening to this, this is going to sound rubbish. You need to go onto YouTube. Uh, uh, Lanc- I'll get in, I'll get in feedback. I'll look on you. Yeah, so that cash in how white picket fence and a beautiful rose garden or something. I mean, your um, doodle was a bit very basic. Looks like the house on fire. So again, Okay, I wouldn't call it Lancastrian, but because what what is picked up is the um the triangles and it's got the wire picket fence. Not bad. Anyway, you can see that if you can do a little bit better than us, um, and you get the and you spend some time on the prompt, you can keep iterating this. By the way, you can get a long way down that artistic um creative road, which I think is um super powerful. So that's my AI of the week. And I know you use this in your um your Mia summer school. My daughter and my that was someone using it as well. So they loved it because again. It means they can sort of move over that step. Yeah, one of the one of the magic ones this week was we were in the entrepreneurs class. All the all the children were were choosing their 
well, they named their business idea. But I said, like, really, you don't have a business. Your excitement doesn't get triggered until you got your own logo. And so we used an AI logo maker for everyone. And they were getting quite excited when they could see their own logos come to life as well. So having the ability to create your own visuals is super powerful. And it just like, gives you that, that ability to be unique and be customized. Yeah, we'll drop a link in the um, description to that. But if you're listening to this, it's Clip Drop, it's uh, Stability AI, it's Google, it'll, it'll come up. So that's, that's it for the week. So as ever, please do sign up for our AI Insider newsletter if you haven't already. We've got the AI-assisted organization, you know, Blueprint, the white paper. So that's definitely um, worth read as well. We'll come back on the competition, the exact timing and the terms of that and what the prize is going to be. So if you've enjoyed this, if this has been useful to you anyway, please do Follow us on all the social media, the usual social media. Share the podcast with um, somebody else. And if you, especially if you've been interested in the things we're showing, uh, have a look at us on YouTube and please subscribe. Could do a bit of a few more subscribers there. Some reviews, reviews as well, please. Yes, reviews would be good as well. Yeah, exactly. We need all the help we can get. Our job really is is implementing eyes to help businesses of all sizes. You know, implementing eyes is a clue in the name, and that's what we're here to do. So, thanks again once for listening or for watching. We'll see you again at the same time next week. See ya.